Eyes On from this year's IGCF, the International Government Communication Forum at Expo Center Charger. A lot of us struggle with bad habits and some of us are looking for some good habits to integrate into our lives. And I think there's nobody better to speak about this than Charles Duhigg who's here with me. And I think we need to define habits first at the beginning before we get into the conversation. Yeah, it's a great question because everyone knows sort of what a habit is in theory, but in practice, it's kind of hard. And it turns out that every single animal on earth has a part of its brain known as the basal ganglia. And the basal ganglia exists just to make habits. And what a habit is, is it's an automatic behavior that your brain learns to do. So at some point in your life, you had to think to brush your teeth, right? It wasn't automatic. Or at some point in your life, you had to think hard about walking. You could do, walking was, was a learned skill. But then something happened where your brain just learned how to make that behavior automatic. So now you can walk without thinking about it. And in the morning when you wake up or before you go to bed, if you don't brush your teeth, you feel like something's missing. So that's what a habit is. A habit is a choice that we made at some point where we stop making that choice, but we continue acting on the decision that we made almost automatically. And I need to know what is a good habit versus a bad habit because while I was watching some of your videos and some of your talks, like for example about the cookie, and I was I'm like, that's not a bad habit. That seems like a good habit. I love to have a cookie every day at three o'clock as well. So I think we should also define a good habit versus a bad habit. Well, that's the thing is that your brain can't tell the difference between a good habit and a bad habit, right? Your your brain just knows that habits exist, and if something delivers a reward, it wants to make it easier and easier and easier and more automatic. It's up to you to decide what's a good habit or a bad habit. And part of the problem is that sometimes people, they want to believe that something is a bad habit, but they actually really like it, right? Like eating a cookie. People love eating cookies. And like, and and why not? It's, a, it's an okay thing to do. I have two kids and my kids, I always tell them like, you know, don't you can't have too much dessert after dinner, but they love dessert. Dessert's the best. So I think part of it is, once we understand how habits function within our lives, once we understand how they happen within our brains, then we get to decide which habits we want to keep and which ones we want to get rid of. That's when we can decide which ones are good and which ones are bad. Because to your brain, it's just a habit. It doesn't decide if it's good or bad. It's up to you to make that choice. Now, this might get a little bit scientific, but can you tell us the details of how a habit forms in your brain? Absolutely. So the number one thing that we know is that every habit actually has three parts, right? We think of a habit as one thing, but it's actually three things. There's a cue which is like a trigger for an automatic behavior to start. And then a routine, which is the behavior itself. And then finally, a reward. Every habit in your life has a reward, whether you're aware of it or not. And what we know is that about 40 to 45% of what all of us do every day is a habit. So when we, we in the morning, we tell, our, we tell our friends, oh, I'm gonna have a healthy salad for lunch. And then we go in to the cafeteria and we get like the same like, you know, chicken shawarma that we get every day that's unhealthy. That's because the habit has taken over, right? We think that we're making decisions, but actually we're in the grip of a habit. And what's important is that if we can identify what those cues and those rewards are for the habit, then we can change the behavior. And this is what's known in the psychology literature as a habit loop, cue, routine, reward. We tend to focus on the routine. We tend to focus on the behavior. But if you can train yourself to identify the cue and to identify the reward, and you can fiddle with those, 
then you can change the behavior much more easily. And how do you go on about this process? I know it will require conscious thought and it might be a little bit difficult for the regular person. Absolutely. So let's talk about creating a new habit since that's, let's say an exercise habit. People want to start exercising. Do you exercise? Okay. <laughs> that's all right. You don't have to exercise. So, so how do we create an exercise habit? Well, the first thing is we have to choose a cue, right? So, so maybe I'm going to put my running shoes next to my bed so I see them when I wake up in the morning. Or maybe I'm going to tell my friend Mohammed that I'm going to meet him at the gymnasium every Wednesday afternoon. I have some cue that reminds me that it's time to exercise. Then I go and I exercise. And when I'm done exercising, what's important is to give myself a reward and to decide ahead of time what that reward is going to be. So for instance, after I lift weights, maybe I let myself have a piece of chocolate. After I go for a run, maybe I let myself have a smoothie or I take a nice long shower. If I give myself that reward and if I let myself enjoy that reward, not feel guilty about it, but let myself enjoy the reward, then what will happen is that my brain will start to associate that cue and that reward with exercise. So from that point on, when I wake up and I see my running shoes next to my bed, part of my brain will think, okay, if I go for a run, I'm going to have that smoothie afterwards and I love that smoothie. So it's going to be easier and easier and easier to go for that run until eventually it's a habit and it almost happens automatically. It's very interesting the way you word everything because it's reminding me, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. If you're on the internet, if you're around millennials, you've probably heard this term, which is a little tree, which is something that a lot of people, for example, on Twitter, they go like, if I can give myself a little treat, I'll feel a little bit better. And it just became sort of a conscious thought of, I think I should treat myself. Does it fall into the world of habits or is it a little bit different? So I, I think that's a huge part of habits. Now, the, the thing is, are you just giving yourself a treat because you're bored and you want a treat or are you giving yourself a treat that's tied to a behavior? So it's one thing to say, I'm going to work hard for the next 20 minutes and then I'm going to give myself a reward. I'm going to give myself a treat of watching TikTok for 10 minutes or, or getting a Coke or doing something nice. If you give yourself that reward and it's tied to a behavior, then it will make that behavior easier and easier. But if you just give yourself a treat, just because you want a treat, <laughs> then you're not gonna, then, it, then there's no purpose to it. It's not helping your brain learn to associate it with something that you want to encourage. And when it comes to mental health, that's another point that I feel some people might forget about when it comes to breaking a habit. Can they also break away from a habit? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the first thing I'll say is, if someone is experiencing a mental health crisis, if they're experiencing depression, the number one thing that's helpful is to go talk to someone about it, right? To talk to your parents, or your teachers, or a sheikh, or a, a psychologist, to have people who can you can turn to and say, I need to talk about what the habits are that are creating this mental health problem for me. But what we know is that the most effective way to actually stop depression and to interrupt a mental health episode is what's known as cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and, and cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is actually built around habits, right? It's about training ourselves that when I start saying to myself, like, oh, I'm not gonna be successful at that, I'm gonna try and do this, and, and even though I've studied for this test, I'm gonna get a bad grade on it. When we get into that negative self-talk, the way we interrupt that, because that's a habit, the way we interrupt that is we develop other habits that will help us start reminding ourselves of the, all the reasons why that's not true, why you've worked hard for this grade, why you're gonna do fine on this exam. And the more that we identify the habits that are making us unhappy, and the more we identify other habits that we can substitute into its place, the more we take control over our mental health. But I will say, it's, it's a, 
This is work we have to do ourselves, but it's work that's easier when we have someone else who's helping us with it. And just to tie in the two points about a little treat and also mental health, sometimes we end up having a comfort TV show, comfort drink, comfort food. For example, every time I feel like incredibly down, I always end up getting chicken nuggets. Almost always chicken nuggets and like extra couple of pieces on the side as well. <laughs> That's what I quote unquote call my depression meal. So are those also considered habits and can we break away from them? Because I feel like those are much more difficult to break away from because they give us, I know the reward is probably even higher than, oh, let me go get a piece of chocolate or a piece of cookie. We, so yes, absolutely we can change that and I'll tell you how. But the first thing to, to realize is when you are feeling down, it's okay to have chicken nuggets, right? Like I, it's, it's, I mean, if it's happening every single day, then maybe that's not the healthiest thing. But if, if you're feeling down every day, then there's other things we should talk about. But I I think it's okay to allow ourselves to have these treats. A little treat is is not only things that make us happy, they're things that are important to life. Our brain tries to decide what to make easier and harder based on whether it gives us rewards or punishments. So if you go and you exercise, and then afterwards, you're late to work and so you take a quick shower and then you rush to work and you're feeling anxious and really sweaty, that you're punishing yourself for exercising. Your brain's gonna pay attention to that and say, I don't want you to exercise. That's a terrible idea. So I think things like chicken nuggets are fine because they make us happy. They, they help us when we're feeling a little bit down, feel better. Now the other question is, so let's say, you, let's say you wanna do something different than chicken nuggets though, right? Let's say that you're eating too many chicken nuggets. Then you have to ask yourself, what reward is the chicken nuggets providing? Can we find another behavior that delivers something similar to that reward? So let me ask you, when you're feeling down and you eat chicken nuggets, what reward do you think it's delivering to you? I don't think I've ever thought of it, but it just feels like it, it's the correct thing or it hits the spot. Yeah, so my guess is, that it probably gives you a sense of comfort. Um, maybe your mom or your dad would give you chicken nuggets when you were a kid and it makes you feel kind of comfortable. Also, chicken nuggets have a lot of carbohydrates, right? And we know that carbohydrates affect our blood sugar and they make us feel very satiated. So again, I think it's fine to eat chicken nuggets, but if you really wanna change the chicken nugget habit, the question is, let me ask you this. Is there another food that you can think of that's a little bit healthier that you think of as a comfort food? Like when you were a kid, and you would get sick, or you, or you know, you, what, what would your parents give you to make you feel better? Funny enough, two things came up to my mind. Neither of them are things that are associated with my parents, but one of them is kale. I love, love kale, that's healthy. Okay. But on the unhealthy side, it's ice cream or gelato. I always tie it in as my comfort food, actually. Yeah. So it's interesting you say kale, right? Because most people most people don't like kale, but, but it sounds like you have some very positive memories of kale. So the next time you're feeling down, in addition to the chicken nuggets, maybe get a half order of chicken nuggets and a half order of kale. And see after you eat the kale, how you feel. And if you feel as good eating the kale as the chicken nuggets, then you've discovered something about what kind of reward gives you the same feeling of satiation. Or perhaps it's ice cream or gelato. You know, the nice thing about ice cream or gelato is that like, it doesn't take that much of it to give us a real taste sensation. So sometimes what people do is they, they might eat a lot, of, a lot of chicken nuggets or a little bit of ice cream and they find that both of them make them feel the same way, but a little bit of ice cream is healthier than a lot of chicken nuggets. So those are some things to try. Absolutely, now that I think of it, one cone of ice cream or at least one biscuit or waffle cone versus 13 pieces of chicken nuggets. <laughs> 
<laughs> might be a little bit of a bit better idea. Yeah. I think I should make some changes. The only issue is that due to some dietary restrictions, I cannot find my favorite gelato place anymore here <laughs> next to my house, but I will figure it out. And speaking about figuring it out, um, how did you figure all of this out personally, perhaps, and also breaking your own habit? So um, I'm a reporter, right? And so I spent a lot of time calling experts and asking them questions. And they're, they're kind enough to give me their time and their advice. But then also my wife and I, when I started writing this book, The Power of Habit, we had just had our first child, our, our first son. And so we decided to experiment on ourselves. And so like I was I was not in great shape and I wasn't exercising enough and I said, okay, I wanna sign up for and I wanna run a half marathon. And so I started doing this. I would put my running shoes next to my bed so I saw them when I woke up in the morning. I would give myself a reward when I went for a jog and it got easier and easier and easier and then eventually I was able to do a half marathon. And now my wife, she runs marathons like two or three marathons a year. So she does a lot. <laughs> I don't do as much. <laughs> it's very interesting that all these habits happen either due to, let's say, childhood stuff, like you're something your parents integrated into you, or or even the school. Because the, another funny thing that I noticed that I do subconsciously, it might be something small, but I realized that earlier, I think it was this year or last year, which is when I walk up the stairs, I always walk on the right side to make way for the person next to me. And then I realized that back when I was a toddler or around when preschool, that's what we do with school they always tell us to walk on the right side so it's something that is subconscious but also you can tie habits to big things that happen in our lives negative or positive so how do we take control of that as in let's say lots of unprecedented things happen COVID-19 pandemic happened change everybody's lives so how do we make sure that we do not make bad choices and bad habits during these hard times so here's what we know is that oftentimes habits are most powerful because we're, we're not aware of them and once we become aware of them they become much easier to change so let's take COVID-19 right a great example during the pandemic many people's lives changed entirely. They started staying home instead of going into the office. Maybe they started exercising less. Maybe they started exercising more because they didn't have to commute to work. So as we come out of the pandemic, there's some habits, new habits we want to keep, some bad habits we want to change, but it can feel hard, right? It can feel like we're powerless. The way we gain power over them is to sit down and diagnose them. So a behavior seems very, very hard until we break it into pieces. When we start saying, okay, what's the cue? Like when I get home and I eat an unhealthy dinner instead of eating something healthy, what's the cue for that? What reward is it delivering for me? Once we've identified the cue and the reward, we can start to say, okay, look, is there something, instead of coming home and eating, you know, um, a hamburger, a really unhealthy hamburger, if I want to have a salad instead, what do I need to do in order to make that salad rewarding for me, right? So maybe that means, well, on the first day, it's the hamburger without the bun. You just, it's a hamburger on lettuce. Then the next day, it's half a hamburger in the salad. We somehow come up with a plan because what, what is oftentimes the hardest thing to do is the first step. And once we have a plan for that first step, then the subsequent steps become much easier. We're gonna get a little bit personal and ask you, what bad habits are you fighting right now? <laughs> what bad habits am I fighting? Let me think. Um, well, okay, I'll tell you, uh, because we're in the UAE, so I used to live in Egypt, and I loved, when I lived in Egypt, I loved shisha. Like the, Narg do you guys call it shisha here, or Nargila? Yeah, so um, in Sharjah, they don't have any shisha, because I guess it's illegal, is that right? So, um, so I've been thinking about this because I tell my kids that smoking is very, very bad. They should never, ever smoke. But I do kind of like shisha. 
So that's one of the bad habits. That <laughs> that I, but it's easier in Sharjah because it's not around. I was about to say, basically Sharjah's trying to promote some good habits exactly. into you. Exactly. Yes. So our last parting words, what can you tell our listeners about breaking free from these habits? If you can just tell us just a couple of words, something motivational, something sure. to encourage them. Yeah. So the thing that's important and all the science says this is true, any habit can be changed. Any habit that you have in your life, any habit that anyone listening has in their life can absolutely be changed. There are people who have smoked cigarettes for the last 30 years who will smoke their last cigarette today and will never smoke again. There are people who are overweight and obese who will go on a diet today and they'll be healthy for the rest of their life. This happens every single day somewhere on this earth, thousands of times a day. And so the question is, what's happening there? If, if any habit can be changed, what's going on? And the truth is that once you know how to understand how your own habits work, once you sit down and you diagnose, here's the cues and here's the rewards, here's my plan for how I'm going to change my behavior, it becomes much easier to change. Now that doesn't mean it's necessarily easy, but it's easier. And any habit that anyone has in their life, they can change if they come up with a plan for how to do it. I love that so much. Coming up with a plan and just sticking with it uh, are the magic words. And giving yourself a reward. Yes, definitely a reward, whether it's chicken nuggets, not too much, <laughs> or if it's gelato, whatever it is, whatever your comfort reward is, that's how it works. Thank you so much for joining us, Charles. This was such an exciting talk to have with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you to Sharjah for, uh, for welcoming me so much.